Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike Riemann. And I'm Michael Sater. And on today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the themes behind the game Dead, Dead Man's, Man's Doubloons. Doubloons. With several Zs. With several Zs. No, there's actually no Zs. No. Um, this game was made uh, post-2010. So there so are Z's were out. Z's were out. They were not popular. Yeah. Dead Man's Doubloons. It's a uh, it's a strategy game. It's a it's a fun strategy game. It's pirate themed. It and you, everyone loves a pirate themed game. Everyone loves a pirate themed game. Uh, you you have your ships that go around an island, and then you have your captains, which are on the island, and they have to do a bunch of stuff to get up to. Uh, I can't remember. It's like a, a tiki god or an idol up at the top. Yeah, they're climbing the mountain. Yeah, they're climbing the mountain while your crew and everybody is on the outside. Uh, uh, shooting each other with cannonballs and stuff. Right. And yeah. Uh, you have to set out your action cards to decide what you're going to do if you're going to shoot cannonballs or, or, or look at your treasure map or things like that. Exactly, yeah. And uh, the cool function of the game is that you can kill other players and they turn into ghost ships. And then the ghost ships can come haunt you down and they have special abilities as well. They just can't be sunk, but they can get redemption and come back so they can pick up their captain and ultimately win the game. So there's a lot of redemption in this, which is really cool. There are also a lot of components that let you change the game depending on how long you want to play or how complicated of a game you want to play. There's a like a cursed gem that bounces from the here. Black jewels. The black jewels. The black pearl. It's not a pearl. It's just it looks like a black diamond. But uh, uh, which if you want to learn more about <laughs> gemstones, listen to our other episode on uh, splendor. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's it's just it's a it's a really neat game that you can you can take a bunch of uh, components and, and mix and match however you want and how complicated you want. There's even two sides to the board if you want to do that. Uh, but since we uh, since we laid our, our mitts on Dead Man's Doubloons, a big part of that is being cursed and, and having ghost stuff. Uh, and so we decided to dive into some curses today. And today we brought along a good friend of ours. You've heard him before on our Dutch Blitz episode. Uh, welcome back, Brian a Gartland. Ghost. Oh, a ghost. I'm a we, ghost. Welcome back, a ghost. We have a ghost in the studio. Boo. That's everyone hearing I'm back. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brian Gartland. Thanks for having me back. Hey, Brian. Hey, thanks hey. for coming back, Brian. Thanks, Mike. So when you think of curses, Brian, what do you think? Uh, I think of uh, bad words and bad times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, the baddest word and the baddest time of all. Nope, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> the baddest king of them all was yes. probably good old King Tut. You probably heard of a Steve Martin bit that reminded you of little King Tut. Uh, biggest curse, one of the biggest curses of them all. Most most popular, I think. That's true, but I, I'm not sure I'd call him the baddest king of all time in that he was I'm, likely 12. I mean, like, bad. Dude. After he's dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you mean he was... Oh, never mind. Anyway, King Tut. Yes, now. Uh, King uh, Tutankhamun's tomb was uh, discovered on November 26th, 1922, after more than 3,000 years of uninterrupted repose. Uh, some believe that this pharaoh unleashed a powerful curse of death and destruction upon all who dared to disturb his eternal slumber. Yeah, so so a lot of people were affected by this. Uh, one of them was George Herbert. He's the fifth Earl of... Carnarvon. 
You got it. Uh, you say it slow, and that's how you know it's good. Uh, the man who financed the excavation of uh, King Tutankhamun's tomb, he was the first to succumb to this supposed curse. Uh, he accidentally tore open a mosquito bite while he was shaving and ended up dying of blood poisoning what? pretty quick after. Hell. Yeah, and this only occurred a few months after the tomb was open, a mere six weeks after the press uh, started reporting on the mummy's curse, which was thought to afflict anyone associated with disturbing the mummy. Legend has it that Lord Carnarvon, if I don't say it slow, I'll never learn. Legend has it that when he died, all the lights in his house mysteriously went out. Yes. Which doesn't, I mean... King Tut really know about like electricity. Electri- well, that's also I don't the I don't want to put a quash on the fun <laughs> curse thing that we're doing right away. Sure, but I will. Um, <laughs> so you can just, stop listening. Just pointing out that uh, this was a man who was in poor health already, uh, and then came to Egypt and died of a pretty common mosquito-borne disease. All right, listen. I think we're. So- is the this is the guy who who chopped his head off shaving a mosquito bite? Basically, that's uh, that's <laughs> essentially the story. I think that's yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah, okay. they yeah. used really big razors back in 1922. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think you're right, and I think most of these curses will you'll find that like generally it's coincidental and it's because there was a label of a curse that these things are noted as curses and and products of curses so i think moving forward we'll just say the curse did it right of course and that's what i want because this is fun and and i want to believe in these kind of magical things we're having fun and also i just want to say that of almost everything we're mentioning here especially things like excavating tutankhamun's tomb took hundreds of people so seven to to eleven deaths associated with it fits pretty much within probability. You're a monster. Cursed. <laughs> cursed. I don't know what you're talking about. They're cursed. Seven out of a hundred. Yes. But the next person we should talk class. about is Sir Bruce Ingham. Hello, Bruce. Now, uh, Sir Bruce was not actually directly involved with the uncovering of, uh, of the tomb. Um, but Howard Carter, the archaeologist who discovered the tomb, gave a paperweight to Sir Bruce Ingham as a gift. It was a friend of his. And the paperweight was a mummified hand wearing a bracelet that was supposedly inscribed with the phrase, Cursed be he who moves my body. Well, um, then, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I thought this was really interesting because it, it actually is derivative of a Shakespeare quote. Uh Good friend, for Jesus' sake, forbear to dig the dust enclosed here. Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he that moves my bones. Um, King Tutankhamun was a Billy Shakespeare fan. Well, that actually rests over Shakespeare's tomb. Oh. Um, And it is thought to be penned by Shakespeare himself, though we don't really know. Seems pretty Um, clear that we've figured out two mysteries. mm -hmm. The true identity of Shakespeare and King Tut. You got it. That's the mystery. <laughs> it's What's solved. Same, same guy. <laughs> or uh, woman. But uh, after that he received this unsolved. gift, uh, just about a week after he received this gift, Ingham's house burned to the ground. And then when he tried to rebuild it, it was all taken away in a flood. Dang. Uh, Woof. That I is... mean, he was clearly 
operating in many dark magic circles if he was a wealthy British man at that time that was just casually accepting paperweights made of hands with ancient inscriptions right. on Thanks them. Thanks for this gift, friend. Weird. This is normal. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, third victim uh, of note in King Tut's Curse is George J. Gould. He was a wealthy American financier and railroad executive, and he visited the tomb in 1923, and he fell sick almost immediately Also afterwards. deserves whatever is coming to him. Most that description <laughs> means that A wealthy American terrible. financier and railroad executive yeah, awful man <laughs> let me just say for the deaths of a minimum of dozens sorry let, let me start that over a big fat railroad tycoon came <laughs> and visited king tut's tomb in 1923 <laughs> while shooting his guns he got sick he never really recovered and died of pneumonia a few months later yeah good that's true uh aubrey herbert um uh say that 10 times fast the second herbert. no it would be boring for the listener <laughs> uh now uh lord carnarvon's half-brother uh, is Audrey Herbert, and he suffered from King Tut's curse merely by being related to him, we think. Just for clarification, Carnarvon was the one that I couldn't say. Yes. Now, uh, he was born with this degenerative eye condition, and he became blind uh, late in his life. Um, but uh, a doctor suggested that his rotten, infected teeth were somehow interfering with his vision, so Herbert had every single tooth pulled from his head. In order to get his sight back, after going blind, he had all of his teeth removed because he thought it would... Uh, it worked? Restore his sight. It did not. It did not work. No, that's not... Um, check but that. But he did though die of sepsis as a result of that surgery. Oh, okay. Oh. So um, it did work. Yeah, so it worked. And he wasn't blind anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it was all the teeth all in his head. Yeah. Everywhere in his head. And that was five months after after this this uh, curse we think started. Uh, you ever like try and fix like a TV or like, you know, an old to- like some you know, like an old toaster or something and like you've tried everything that like makes sense. And then there's this one thing that is, like, clearly, like, a little loose or, like, broken next to it. And you're like, well, it's probably that. Let's take <laughs> yeah. that out. Yeah, even if it's just near the problem. It's like, that looks bad. There was, uh, there was an old uh, uh, medical thing that used to happen. Like, if, if they tried every single thing and they started bringing in pigeons, you knew that... Uh, they they've were, uh, tried literally everything, and now oops. they're going to try pigeons. It's like, well, that's what, I'm pretty. What exactly? Straight. Like, I understand like bringing in leeches because they can like do a thing to your body. But what did the pigeons do? Mm. I I think they just tried different things. They like would put it on your head, or they would like put their butt in their face. Like they would just try a bunch of different things. Sure. So another victim of King Tut's curse would be Hugh Evelyn White. Uh, he was a British archaeologist, and he visited Tut's tomb and may have helped excavate the site. And after seeing death sweep over about two dozen of his fellow excavators in 1924, Evelyn White hung himself, but not before writing, allegedly, in his own blood, I have succumbed to a curse which forces me to disappear. Is that true? Alcoholism. Yes. <laughs> Very well That's, could be. Um, laudanum addiction. He's the cellophane man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Aaron Ember, the uh, uh, American Egyptologist who was friends with a ton of people who were present when the tomb was opened, um, including Lord Carnarvon. That's uh, pushing it, pal. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but he died in 1926 when his house in Baltimore burned down about an hour after he and his wife hosted this dinner party. And now both of them could have exited safely, but his 
wife encouraged him to go back and save a manuscript that he'd been working on while she got uh, their son. Uh, but they and their family's maid died in this catastrophe. Uh, while he was saving the manuscript, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Ooh. How did we know what the manuscript was named if it burned in the fire? Because no, we know what he remained. was working on. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yes, it was the only thing that didn't burn in the fire. That's not true. Don't look that up. Don't look that up. Don't it's definitely up. true. Don't look that up. Don't at me. Uh, Richard Bethel. He was uh, Lord Car- Carnarvon's secretary's brother's uncle. It seems like we're getting really, <laughs> really far we're removed. We're honing in. I think we're, we're almost to the source. <laughs> so, so he was a secretary and the first person behind Carter to actually enter the tomb. He died in 1929 under suspicious circumstances. He was found smothered in his room at an elite London gentleman's club. Soon after, the Nottingham Post mused, the suggestion that the Honorable Richard Honorable. Bethel... <laughs> Honorable. Had come under the curse was raised last year when there was a series of mysterious fires at his home, where some of the priceless finds from Tutankhamun's tomb were stored. No evidence of a connection between the artifacts and Bethel's deaths were ever actually established, though. But it makes for a good story. But you gotta imagine you're an elite London's gentlemen's club. You've collected a bunch of priceless Egyptian memorabilia. What else have you collected? I am absolutely convinced that all of these are related directly to King Tutankhamun. I don't I don't see why not. I mean, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Sure. Prove to me that it doesn't. <laughs> I'll prove to you what happened to Sir Archibald Douglas Reed. Do with word. Now, you don't evidently have to be one of the excavators or expedition backers or even tangentially related to this to fall victim to the curse uh, because uh, Reed was a radiologist who x-rayed Tut before the mummy was given to the museum authorities, and he got sick and died three days later. Mm. Of mysterious radiation <laughs> poisoning <laughs> after a lifetime of x-ray work. <laughs> James Henry Breasted. 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 Which Brexit. we can say on this podcast. <laughs> it's pronounced Brexit. Brexit. <laughs> we already had to beep out one thing. Don't let me beep out another oh, I, thing. I, I, I said two bad words. You said one bad word. No, you're going to find two. Ah, nards. I apologize after both. Both were uh, I definitely could. Uh, Wait, could did you just say Brexit was a bad word? Yeah, bad word. You can't say. I've said it like five times. <laughs> uh. I hope you do bleep every one of those and no one knows what we're saying. <laughs> Uh, so James Henry breasted, not to be confused with it. You're only hearing beeps right uh-huh. now. <laughs> Another famous Egyptologist of the day. He was working with Carter when the tomb was opened. What does that mean? He was just working with them. I, there was a lot of people in this tomb. I feel like for a, an Egyptian tomb. He was tomb. there about a completely different thing. He's like, well, <laughs> hold on. The curtain. He was he there was visit- back in the hotel. Yeah, he was visiting the Pizza Hut in Cairo. Shortly thereafter, uh, he allegedly returned home to find that his pet canary had been eaten by a cobra. And the cobra was still occupying the cage, since the cobra is a symbol of the Egyptian monarchy. And not at all native to England. And a motif that kings wore on their headdresses to represent protection. This was rather an ominous sign. Ominous, yeah, 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 because a cobra anywhere is an ominous... Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. An anonymous sign. I saw, and it opened up my eyes. He didn't <laughs> die until 1935, although his death did occur immediately after a trip 
to Egypt. Ooh, where he saw a little a bit cobra of a storm. <laughs> at a storm. Uh, yeah, so that's King Tut. Uh, we got some more though. We sure also do. have uh, who's who's next? Uh, Tecumseh, I believe. Tecumseh, yes, we do have Tecumseh. And uh, Tecumseh's curse, also known as the curse of the American presidents. Yes, or the Tippecanoe curse. So huh? the short of it is, uh, with two exceptions, since 1840, U.S. presidents who have been elected in years ending in zero uh, every 20 years have been killed or have died of natural causes while in office. And one exception literally came within an inch of death. <gasps> chip, chip, chip. So I think with this, we should start from the 1840 and the uh, uh, the reason for the curse, and then we'll go down and, and prove to you. We'll prove to you that this curse exists, Yes, you listeners. So in 1840, William Henry Harrison won the presidency with the slogan, Tippecanoe and Tyler II, which referenced Harrison's role in the American victory at the Battle of Tippecanoe, which was in 1811. Uh, while Tecumseh was the leader of the Shawnee, the opposing side in this battle, his hatred for Harrison Shawnee. actually started uh, uh, a few years earlier than that. But um, So while uh, he was governor of the Indiana Territory, Harrison negotiated this treaty with the Native Americans in which the Shawnee ceded these large tracts of land to the U.S. government. Uh, angered by what he considered Harrison's unfair tactics in the negotiation, Tecumseh and his brother organized a group of local tribes and attacked uh, Harrison's army and started this Battle of Tippecanoe. Uh, during the War of 1812, Harrison further reinforced his anti-native reputation when he defeated the British and the tribes that aided the British in the Battle of the Thames. This additional defeat and the loss of more land to the American government is purportedly what drove Tecumseh's brother, Tenskat... Oh, I did it. You did it. No, you're not correcting that. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> what, what drove Tecumseh's brother, Tenskwatawa... Uh, known by the Shawnee as the Prophet, and hereby, for the rest of this podcast, known as the Prophet, uh, to <laughs> place a curse <laughs> on the death of all the future U.S. presidents elected in years ending in a zero, which means uh, presidents elected every 20 years. Specific. Mm-hmm. Should have done more. There is a version where uh, Tecumseh himself actually curses when William Henry Harrison opposed to his brother doing it, and then there's another story that says that his brother does it. But obviously these are just stories. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But not this curse. This but, curse is real. No, this William curse Henry is real. William Henry Harrison went on to live a long, productive life and outlived the curse, though, right? Oh, Brian. What? I have terrible news. Go. Old Bill Henry Harrison, who was elected in 1840, he died of pneumonia at the age of 68, exactly one month after his inauguration. Go what? Uh-huh. Fast forward 20 years later. Whoop! Abraham Lincoln, elected in when? 1860. I could have told you that. The first president to run under the Republican Party. It's not the Republican Party you're thinking of. Don't at me. The United States quickly moved into a civil war, which would last from 61 to 65. But on April 9th, General Robert E. Lee surrendered to General Ulysses S. Grant, thereby ending that rift that was tearing apart the nation. And five days later, Lincoln was assassinated by a Southern sympathizer. And brilliant actor, John Wilkes Booth. Ha. Fast forward 20 years. James A. Cat the Garfield won the 1880 election, Brian. He was shot in the back 
in a Washington Railroad Station waiting room in July 1881 and died of his wounds in September 1881. Oh, my God. But it probably stops there, right? Well, it has to. You're wrong! No. <laughs> William McKinley was elected to his second term in 1900. Mm-hmm. Again, he defeated William Jennings Bryan just as he had four years before. McKinley was shot by Leon F. Cholgos. Cholgos. <sighs> Can't trust a Cholgos. Well, this has to be the work of native curses. It has nothing to do with delivering an hours-long speech in the freezing cold and a completely lax supervising security at a theater and doctors really mangling the aftermath of two assassinations and really the infection killing the last two guys. It's the curse. It has to be, and it is. And we should also point out that that man... uh, was uh, a self-proclaimed anarchist and kept saying that all presidents were enemies of the people. Okay, yeah, no, no. Warren G. Harding elected when? 1920. That's right, 20 years after William McKinley died. Or, yes. Well, close. (laughs) Uh, Close. Uh, 19. He died of a stroke or a heart attack in 1923. It was long rumored that his wife had poisoned him. Oh, my. Either way, he died. What's next? Well, it couldn't be Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He's still alive. That's not. That's untrue. Oh, he served his third term as president in when? 1940. 1940. That's right. Oh God. He was also elected again in 1944 for his fourth term. To be elected the fourth term. Well, in that fourth term, he died of a cerebral hemorrhage in in a hotel. In 1945. And that's that's where the curse ends. Except uh, 20 years later. Oh. Who was elected in 1960? Probably no one I've heard of. Hmm. Nobody you've heard of. The unknown president, John F. Kennedy. Oh, well, I've heard of him, so he must have lived a long, happy life. He was assassinated, Aww. supposedly, by Lee Harvey Oswald in 1963. That poor, poor man. That's where it ends. Well, yes, pretty much. Uh, in 1980... Uh, there was an assassination attempt. Well, in 1980, Ronald Reagan was elected. In oh, that's true. Yes, in 1981, there was an assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. Uh, there was also a failed assassination attempt on uh, George W. Bush. Mm. In, well, not in 2000, in 2002, By I believe. The interesting thing about... <laughs> <laughs> or a shoe. Uh, the interesting thing about uh, Ronald Reagan was that he was shot but it only came within an inch of his heart. So he just, just missed that curse. You know what the doctors say? If that shot was just an inch to the left and one foot higher, could have hit his brain. <laughs> yeah, one foot higher. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so maybe uh, maybe Reagan broke the every 20 years curse. Maybe it's just sleeping. Maybe Reagan was strong enough. Hollywood magic, folks. The only thing that can defeat a curse is magic. So, so there, there were some other theories on if this is a Native American curse or if this is something else. Uh, there was one theory that this one astrologer, Mark Dodditch, uh, he attempted to analyze this curse. And he was thinking that the reasons behind the force was actually of cosmic coincidence, not Native American hexing. And he claims that the curse's effect overlap with the alignment of Jupiter and Saturn, whose orbits have lined up every 20 years. Uh, One of the two 20 years patterns failures, Ronald Reagan, is explained by the sign 
uh, the alignment of these two planets occurred under. And that sign was a air sign accounting for a survival where all the other ones were different signs. Um, and then in 2000, Jupiter and Saturn's Jupiter-Saturn twinning, is what they call it, uh, once again occurred under the Earth sign of Taurus, a phenomenon he says won't happen again for another 600 years. It thus marks the end of a deadly cycle. And I only need $80,000 to complete my research. <laughs> <laughs> anyone anyone interested? <laughs> I can really figure out this president curse mystery, guys. I this think is if an I exciting sell... opportunity for you, our listeners. <laughs> to sell more incense. I'm a trusted you... astrologer. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is the... Uh, Curse of Tecumseh and Tenskwatawa. I did it. I said it. You did. Nice job. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so, uh, Brian, Ooh. you're a sports nut. So curses don't always... Uh, <laughs> that has nothing to do with what I'm about to say. But uh, So, Brian, you're clinically insane. <laughs> Brian, you got a beard. Anyway, uh, so... <laughs> So not all curses are, are ancient uh, curses or curses dealing with astrology or anything like that. Nope. There are more modern curses, and you're going to tell us a little bit about that. Uh, believe it or not, all of these curses actually stem from ancient astrology. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was fibbing. I was me. being a real dweebus. Uh, yeah, the curses can come from any dark magician. <laughs> At any time. <laughs> it doesn't need to be an ancient Egyptian dark magician. It could be a modern Chicago dark magician, mm. like the curse of the Billy Goat, which has been broken by magic. Cubs <laughs> magic. <laughs> like I said, the only thing that can break a curse is magic. Well, also the twinning of Jupiter-Saturn under the Earth sign of Taurus. Unproven. Let's get that cash in, folks. Um... The Curse of the Billy Goat, which lasted from 1945 until 2016, was, uh, you know, a lot of times with a curse, like, you, you understand the person that put the curse on, like, their daughter was stolen from them, so they cursed the king, or, like, you know, a lot of different things. Uh, this man was denied entry into a public place because he had a large, smelly goat. And he took it so personally that he subjected an entire fan base to torture until 2016. It was really unnecessary. The owner of the Billy Goat Tavern was trying to get into a World Series game, and uh, they wouldn't let him in because he had a big, smelly goat. And he reacted like this was an unreasonable thing. Uh, what year was it? And used his dark magic, 1945. Oh, see, it's only 1945. See, like, like that's, well, you know... Well, to this day, goats are both... Expected and welcomed into the stadium. Mm-hmm. Can't mess with magic. I mean, curses. You can mess with magic if you want to break the curses, which you have to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been very clear. <laughs> uh, do you got any other sports? There's ones? also the curse of the Bambino. Ooh. Also broken, which lasted from 1918 until 2004, Whoa. broken by the magic of Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore <laughs> and Fever Pitch. What was what was the curse of the Great Bambino? The curse of the Bambino was Bambino. Uh, the was a curse that uh, after the Boston Red Sox, who had won many World Series, and Babe Ruth, this young Baltimorean slugger and hurler, mm. a pitcher. And batter of record setting both. Um, he was 
He had uh, World Series records in both uh, hitting and pitching categories for a long time. Uh, and he was on a very successful string of Red Sox teams. And Harry Frizee, the owner of the Red Sox, did a lot of dealing, which at that time uh, was not as common, but he had a lot of diverse business interests. And a lot of the rumor, a lot of the scuttlebutt was that he sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees to produce plays to do no-no Nanette, but the timeline doesn't really work out, but it really sounds a lot better to go, he sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees to put on no-no Nanette. Boy, oh boy, what an outrage. Uh, but, you know, that's just not fully accurate, but he just did it because he was a selfless capitalist, selfish capitalist. So was the curse that they just... Uh, they never. They didn't win a World Series after they traded Babe Ruth away to their rivals uh, for monetary gain until 2004, from 1918 until 2004. But uh, a lot of that was uh, due to racism. Mm. Ah. The Red Sox were the last team to uh, break the color barrier and integrate and sign a player of color. Uh, they did it much after anyone in baseball. And... Uh, yeah, if you refuse to sign the best talent because you're a crazy racist organization, you're not going to win a lot of World Series. That's fair. Is... So they didn't become racist until after 2004. They became, uh, <laughs> they stayed racist the whole time, and then Big Poppy, David Ortiz, single-handedly cured racism in Boston. Uh, Wait a minute, I anyone. thought it was Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, what happened to Jimmy no, Fallon he, and Drew he, he got the World Series. Like, he made oh, sure, okay. he broke the curse of the Bambino. He made sure that they won the World Series. Uh, David Ortiz, Big Poppy, cured Boston's racism. Okay. Wait, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore played on the Boston Red Sox and won the World Series? Yeah. Okay. That and that's the out. plot of No, No, Nanette. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Kurt Schilling. <laughs> Uh, and me, guy. Big guy. Poppy. Don't hang out with Big Kurt Schilling. And featuring Big Poppy. He's a bad guy. There's also a, a jinx, but it's a jinx, not a curse. So, you know, skip it. But I want to hear about it. Well, all right, fine. There's the Sports Illustrated jinx, where people get put on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and, uh, and then bad things happen to them after that. They get injured or they don't, you know, if you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated and it says they're going to win a bajillion championships, you only win a million. And they're like, hmm, hmm. The magazine said that, hmm, hmm. You owe me a Coke. Mm-hmm. There's another curse very similar to that with the Madden curse, right? What's that? The Madden curse where you to- we talked oh, about Oh, the video that. game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the video game, Madden. And it's the same idea to where... Uh, players who are featured on the front of the Madden video game uh, succumb have... to either injury or mm-hmm. exposure of a dog fighting ring. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what happens. It's fun. It's, it, it just yeah, it just brings out the worst. It's, in you. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of a lot of players featured on Madden have been hurt the next year. It's just, and definitely start, I think, with the dog fighting ring and then <laughs> continue that, on to injuries. I uh, yeah, that that's very may very well be it does seem to happen with a higher degree of occurrence than let's say time like a lot of less people on time get killed right afterward they don't get killed in uh uh uh, delete delete all of this you have to delete all of this spiraling pol pot was never uh he never had a dog fighting were you on the cover of time i'm I'm well. Everyone was that that time where Times Person of Year was you, and it was a mirror it was cover. A mirror. I didn't see it. 
I was never Tony's person of the year. <laughs> it's a shame Don't for you. For a quick second, right? He's a vampire. Oh God, he can't see his own reflection. Oh, oh my teeth. Oh, hold on a second. And he was very, very into the curses. Right. Portion. He asked. He asked me not to bring garlic here today. Yeah. He's. He turned into a bat. <laughs> disappeared in a puff of smoke. No, we can't prove anything. All right, I'm back. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey. How about we talk about the curse of the Iceman? Speaking of vampires, I heard every word. Uh, Ootsie! Ootsie daisies! The curse of Ootsie. We are going, we're getting goofy. Yeah, no, it's. I love it. I'm so sorry. Okay, so we are getting goofy. Uh, The curse of Ootsie is the goofiest of all the curses. Uh Uh, Is the curse of Ootsie the Iceman. Spelled O-T-Z-I, O with an umlaut over at the two little dots. So um, there were some German tourists, Helmut and Erika Simon, who actually took a hike off the beaten path in the Alps uh, on the Austrian-Italian border, and they made a very gruesome discovery. They found a body of a man frozen in ice who they assumed had recently died, but the truth was the truth. Not the truth, but the truth was much more bizarre. The body that became known as Otsi likely met its demise between 3,239 and 3,105 B.C.E. How did they do it? Uh, how did who do it? How did these, these German campers? Well, they didn't do it. He was stuck in ice. No, but it's always the people that find them that did it. Probably. I've seen a lot of CSI. Yeah, it's them. Well, after the crime scene investigation came by, they came by in September 1991 uh, is when the CSI came, and it was like the day of. Uh, and uh, and they realized that this is actually Europe's oldest known natural human mummy, um, and it's offered unprecedented views in the Copper Age of Europeans. That's true. Uh, now, uh, uh, how he died has been a subject of a lot of debate. His death has been blamed on a hunting accident, being the victim of a battle or a ritual sacrifice, exposure to these harsh elements in the Alps. Uh, uh, it was popularly thought that it was exposure, but these subsequent findings, such as bruises and cuts to his hand, evidence of blunt trauma to the head, and signs of arrowheads that had been removed before death, and even one that was still lodged in his shoulder mm. and signs of a pierced artery made things a little bit more complicated. And so I like to think of this as kind of a uh, uh, an interesting thing because he was also carrying a very uh, uncommon, for the time, well-crafted copper axe. Mm-hmm. Now, this can either suggest that he may have been into coppersmithing copper. or he was some sort of chieftain because this would have been a very rare item to have mm-hmm. because of how well it was crafted. So I like to think that we're dealing with a a Julius Caesar way before Julius Whoa. Caesar, that this was a chieftain who was murdered and then dropped in the Alps. Coo-coo-coo. But then why wouldn't they take the Cut axe? You. That's, that's a good a, question. That's a really good question. I think that it was animals. Well, there is another theory in which uh, he was actually with a partner. Um, the molecular biologist said that the blood on his weapons uh, uh, would closely was not his, but would closely match someone uh, 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 a human like him. So what I read was that uh, his arrow specifically had two different types of blood. He had he had an arrowhead in his his left shoulder, but his arrow that he had on him had two different types of blood on it, suggesting that he shot somebody 
retrieved his arrow and used it again and shot it and then retrieved it. At a different folk? Yeah, and then his dagger also had a different person's blood on it. So there were four types of blood, including his own, which was found on his clothing. So he probably died of blood loss, most likely. They were found uh, kneeled over and hunched forward, so he was probably trying to take the arrow head out of his shoulder. He probably was trying to take uh, the treasure from someone in his group well, and then realized that that was not who he was mm. and fought off a lot of the things that were the, the, oh, the other sure. tribe that were chasing yeah, yeah. him. And, and him convinced his friends to run. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and died from the Orokai. Yeah. What? What? Well, the molecular biologist that discovered a lot of these types of blood uh, suggests that uh, perhaps he was hunting with a companion and the pair got into a territorial skirmish. Ah, yeah, that and makes when sense. he was fatally wounded, he uh, leaned against his companion for support and then died kneeling over. Mm, that explains it. And covered in giant sheets of ice. Yes. Cream? But we're here to body, talk about the curse. Yes. So this body has been frozen for thousands upon thousands of years and it was too and pretty good under the ice until two German folk came by and uncovered it and he didn't like that kind of thing. He was sleeping pretty peacefully. Yeah, so this curse has affected some people. Rainer Hen had the honor of placing Otsi's frozen Utsi's frozen remains into a body bag. And in nineteen ninety two our good friend Rainer was traveling to a convention where he planned to talk about Utsi. Tragically, Correct. he got into a deadly accident and never reached his destination, and this happened one year after Utsi was uncovered, making Rainer the first potential victim of the Iceman's curse. That's true, and perhaps the closest person uh, to Utsi's to curse is, in fact, Helmut Simone, <gasps> uh, the, uh, the German tourist who first discovered him. Uh, in 2004, Helmut fell to his death in a freak blizzard while he was hiking right by the same spot where he saw Utsi through the ice originally. Interesting. It's like the bed is calling Utsi back. Utsi Daisy. <laughs> there goes Helmut. And another one bites the Kurtz ice. Fritz. <laughs> He took his place in history by leading researchers to Utsi's body. Uh, he also organized the transportation of Utsi's remains. But an avalanche ended up claiming his life in 1993 when he was 52. Uh, Fritz was the only member of his expedition group who died during the avalanche. Uh, this could be nothing more but mere coincidence, but it definitely seems odd considering the fact that he was an experienced guide. And he was killed by the ice man. There's no doubt me. about it. Now, uh, within an hour of Helmut's funeral, the head of the mountain rescue team that was assigned to find Helmut, Dieter Varnecke, died of a heart attack. And then in April, the archaeologist Conrad Spindler, uh, who first inspected the prehistoric cor- curse, Died of complications from multiple multiple sclerosis. Did you say uh, first to inspect the prehistoric curse? Did I? <laughs> I meant corpse. <laughs> it's even getting into our lexicon. Or did he? Mm. Da, 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 da. Yes, if he said he did, then I'm sure he did. Another Rainer, but first name Rainier, Holtz. 
He was the only person allowed to film the recovery of Utsi's body, and he later turned his footage into an hour-long documentary. But showing Utsi's face to the world may have been a mistake. Holtz died from a brain tumor shortly after finishing the film. This one checks out fully. Uh, well, there's also the super mysterious death of the molecular archaeologist Tom Loy, who was found dead in Brisbane in his home uh, right after finalizing a book about Utsi, uh, according to the Australian newspaper that, uh, that investigated it, with no cause of death listed. This is definitely Utsi. I think, I think I read a more recent one because they say he died due to a hereditary blood disease. Mm. Yeah, called being cursed by Utsi. But it was, it was ironically called the Utsi's curse. He was, which was first, really weird. The first in a line. That's what hereditary. You know, hereditary doesn't have to. You can start. No, that's true. You can be yeah. the first hereditary uh, carrier. Uh, that's something. true. Carrier, yeah. That's like very true. Yeah, that is the curse of Utsi. I think what we're learning is like, stop moving mummies. Who sees a mummy and's like, you know, where I'm going to take that. <clears throat> Anywhere else. Or you know what? If you're asked to be like the 23rd member on a mummy moving team, <laughs> pass up on it. Money, you know? Mummy like, I understand team. if you have, like, if you found a mummy, you're going to have to take some of the curse risk to get some of the curse reward. But if you're on the mummy truck team, the, what you're getting paid versus your uh, risk to curse exposure is not worth it. No. Do not be a supporting character in a mummy. Me- a, a, a mummy movie. A mummy, a mummy movie movie. Meow. <laughs> I hope the cat's back. Ah, <laughs> oh, nuts. Hello. Uh, so those are the major, uh, the curses. Uh, I say major. By that I mean the ones we've looked the deepest into. And there are a ton of famous curses. Oh, absolutely. There's also a ton of famous cursed items, which I have one on my little uh, honorable mention list. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have some uh, movie curses, which are fun. Since we were talking about more of the mainstream, like Madden and everything, I have the Poltergeist sure. curse. Um, this was, uh, you remember the movie, The Poltergeist? Um, well, four cast members uh, of this horror franchise died six years in between the first and third film. Uh, that was uh, that was pretty much it on that one. Sure. Uh, they called it The Poltergeist curse. Another curse was the Superman curse, uh, probably one of the most famous ones. <clears throat> the original comic book creators of Superman, um, <clears throat> after denied rights to their character, cursed the superhero. Um, George Reeves committed suicide, who played Superman. Christopher Reeve, he became paralyzed after falling from a horse. Uh, Dana Reeve, Christopher uh, Reeve's wife and a non-smoker, died of lung cancer at the age of 44. Lee Quigley um, died in 1991 at the age of 14 due to solvent abuse. Uh, Margot Kidder, who was Lois Lane, uh, suffered from bipolar disorder. Uh, but Henry Cavill seems to be okay. Mm. So far. So far. He ain't I, dead yet. But when he are, does, we know it's the curse. <laughs> there are a uh, apparent 258 curses in Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's oh, interesting. That's a fun That's a fun curse. That's a little, 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 little trivia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun. 258 258 F curses. Oh, mm. wow. Um, well, so there's uh, probably even more curses than uh, just that. That's just uh, F-bombs alone. That's just F curses according to this AV Club article. I wonder, I wonder where, that, uh, where that divergence comes in. What's, what are the ones people disagree about? Mm-hmm. Fun fact, there are two curses in this uh, podcast episode if you don't include Brexit. 
which will also probably be beeped out. <laughs> you'll, they're immediately followed by, oops, sorry, so they'll be a little easier to find. <laughs> uh, uh, while we're on the topic of movie curses, another uh, cursed set, people uh, believe, is the uh, set of The Shining. Ooh. Um, in the the hotel in Colorado, and uh, there aren't a whole lot of things that happened here other than uh, uh, two different fires um, that destroyed two sound stages. Um, That's uh, all. One was called an eleven alarm fire, and no Ooh. one knows how it was started. Uh, people think that uh, uh, while Kubrick was not known for being a a uh, kind or gentle filmmaker that he may have actually succumbed to the curse that his movie was about for a short time mm. and uh, really significantly tortured the actress Shelley Duvall uh, and uh, made her do the give me the bat scene 127 times oh my God. Um, which caused her to have a pretty significant mental breakdown and retire from acting completely oh great Brexit <laughs> ah Brexit uh, oh I didn't believe that one out <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Uh, so this is this was an interesting item that I found. Uh, that I found a good deal about it, and I was wondering if you've ever heard of it. But it's called the dib dib book box. The dibbuk. Dibbuk. So you did hear about this? Uh, well, uh, the dibbuk is uh, not only a uh, a figure in Jewish mythology, mm. but also a uh, low-level uh, fiend monster uh, popular in the role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons. Never heard of it. So the Dybbuk box, uh, in 2001, a man named Kevin Manis <laughs> purchased a wine cabinet, which was this box, mm -hmm. uh, and that was auctioned at eBay and immediately started having terrible nightmares, as did the people around him. And upon opening the box, he wrote that he found that it contained two 1920s pennies, a lock of blonde hair bound with cord, a lock of black-brown hair bound with cord, a small statue engraved with the Hebrew word shalom, a small golden wine goblet, one dried rosebud, and a single candle holder with four octopus-shaped legs. I read the description of octopus-shaped legs, and it made me think, were they just talking about some sort of, like, menorah? Well, I feel like octopuses curves. have arms. Sorry, curves. octopodes yeah. have arms. Mm. So Kevin Manis, he actually decided to give the cabinet to his mother. Real nice thing cool. to do. Yeah. <laughs> Who this seems bad. This seems like Mom. it's the devil. <laughs> so she actually suffered a stroke the very day she received it. Um, and then every owner of the box made after her that. lug it in herself. <laughs> <laughs> it's not coincidence. Every owner of the box actually has reported that smells of cat urine and jasmine flowers and nightmares, smell of nightmares, involving an old hag uh, come with that box. Well, the cat did pee in the box. You can't get rid of that smell. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably that's what just, happened. Just, kinda... <laughs> he did say that on eBay. Um, a student uh, who had it at Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri, uh, was the last person to auction it on eBay. He claimed that the box caused lights to burn out in his house and his hair to fall out. That's a good way of just blaming that. Yeah. Right. That's, I haven't fixed the lights and my hair is falling out, not because I'm stressed about exams, Definitely. but because of this cat urine box. My methamphetamine addiction is unrelated, <laughs> but I will take any price for this box. So Jason Haxton, he was a director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri. He's been following the, uh, the previous owner blogs about the box, and then he ended up buying it from that owner and box he wrote that buyer. the box blog buyer he wrote that the dibbic box uh he he claimed that he started having health problems hives 
coughing up blood and head-to-toe welts after he got it. And his swim in the Nile had nothing to do with it. (laughs) And he's allergic to cat piss. (laughs) Go figure. Also, I'm from Europe in the 13th century. (laughs) I'm also, I believe that this box is also cursed. Oh, it's definitely cursed. We're we're making fun of these people because it's easy. So they did trace back. we don't have the box. That's true. We don't have the box and I don't want the box. I would not make fun of it to its face. My wife would not let me have that box. So the origins of this box were... uh, Traced back to a Holocaust survivor and is believed to be possessed by a Dybbuk or the Dybbuk? A Dybbuk. A Dybbuk. Oh, yes. So a Dybbuk is a type of this. Yes, just a, a restless spirit okay. um, that would possess uh, uh, bodies even as they uh, rotted. So that's kind of where uh, a lot of uh, zombie mythology we, uh, we see comes from. Mm. So now uh, it's actually in the hands of Zach uh, Baggins, which I don't know if you know that guy, but he is the guy who does ghost adventures. <laughs> he bought oh, the box. And of he course he bought the box. Because he's a weirdo. Um, yeah, that's, uh, and that's no the story of the And no new since it entered his museum. As far as we know, I haven't seen ghost adventures in a while. Maybe that got canceled. Probably. No, it's it's still on. Gab, if you're listening, uh, leave us let a us comment know. about what's going on with, with Zach in the Box. Us. Yeah, let us know about the Zach in the Zach Box. Zach the Box. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, do you got any more little curses? No, that's it for me. Brian, you got any more little curses? Don't don't you do it. <laughs> nope. Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. Ow, I said Brexit. I said it again. Uh, well, if that's all you guys got, thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Board. Um, if you like what we did today or if you have any suggestions, feel free to send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Brian, for Thanks, being Brian. on our show Thanks today. Thanks for having me, fellows. Yeah, we appreciate it. Always good to hear what's on the other side of the tracks. Anyway, if you want to follow what I'm doing, you can find me at Two Pancakes on Instagram or The Two Pancakes on Twitter. You can also find us at uh, beyond the, or you can email us at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com but you can also find us at goingbtb on Instagram and you can find me on Instagram at psychmater where are we going to find you Brian you're on Twitter you can find me if you give me 20 seconds to hide alright one <laughs> hide and seek you they found you don't look you're looking <laughs> oh, I'm looking I found you where can we find you just put some uh, you know put some good Brian M. Fartland on Twitter and uh, the Instagram. Perfect. You know, Great. Don't there. be, hey, listen, be proud of your your handle. I was, you know, I was just going <laughs> to, if you didn't press me, I was going to go, you know, you, follow me if you like. <laughs> you don't have to. You do funny things on uh, Twitter. I do you some do. interesting things. You do. Thank you to the Nerdalogs for always. hosting us on their podcast network. And from beyond the board, we're, we're Mike. Mike and Curses Foiled Again. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. There's a curse. There's like a bunch of extra things to this game that you can just keep adding. There's like cursed jewels and... The black jewel module. Yeah. And uh, and then really there's like a whole other side to the spy movie. There's a whole other there's a whole other side to the board. Um, oh my god, the first sentence of this 
this uh, lore they put on the back of the what card is, is when the sepulchral bigantine drew nigh, its torn and tattered sails billowing in the phantom wind, its dark deck scattered with bones, the merchant galley's crew shat their breeches and leapt howling into the choppy waves. Yeah, that old trope. 